listening to the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the savior so the gospel said waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame till an angel it was told down from heaven came folks tuned in from all around near and far just to listen to house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir we're just listening to the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir. Hey, welcome to the House of Mercy podcast. It's good to know you're listening. Yeah, House of Mercy, uh, this is actually, this is the... House of Mercy post-election semi-service is what we were calling it because uh, our original plan was to be together in person outside on the uh, humble lawn out there. And yeah, just all be together post-election, I don't know, I guess, kind of a service, processing uh, the whole thing. That's what we'd yeah. hope to do. Are you going to say more? Uh, not. I mean, I thought I'd give you a chance to jump in, and then I would say more about it. <laughs> yeah, we just we thought, you know, actually Nathan said to us that there would be a lot of feelings after the election, and uh, we thought, yeah, that seems true. And uh, these have really been hard, unprecedented times for most of us, and it just seemed like a really good time to get together and see faces. Yeah, I think so. Like, just to be together and go, like, I don't know whether it was all going to be... And when we planned this thing, we didn't know which way it was going to go at all. But we thought... Oh, no, no. But one way or the other. We There would be a lot of feelings and a lot to process. And there is. Yeah. Um, yeah, this... the And, yeah, just the whole... I mean, and we didn't know, too. I mean, so here we are. If, uh, what is it? Uh, you know... 13 days after the election, 12 days after the election. Um, Trump has still not conceded, but it doesn't seem like that's that big of a deal, maybe. I'm glad to see other people are acting like adults and not getting involved in his whatever it is. Yeah, but there's a whole thing where he's not giving Biden access. Do you think that will be resolved soon? I think that he, I think Biden, I think, I think they're all, uh, you know, professionals. I think a lot of the people working in the place probably were hired during Obama and Biden's, you know, time. I don't know. I think they're going to be able to work it out. Well, good. I think that, uh, I think it's just like this thing where maybe people are finally go like, you know what we really need in Washington? A professional politician. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the job that yeah. they know how to do. Maybe we, <laughs> you know, maybe not hire someone uh, who's never had a job in politics before and never read the Constitution. 
I don't know. See, I guess the thing we could go on and on. That's we wanted. To, I guess that's what we wanted. People a chance to just vent, no matter what, to each other, to people they haven't seen in a long time. And I guess one thing I'm glad about. I'll say this though. I just want to. There's no, as of yet, militias marching. I like that. Yeah, but there was that protest last night with all the Proud Boys in Washington. Oh, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and there was a some violence. So. Oh, well, well, these are times that we, I mean, yeah, we will continue to pray and process. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel hopeful. I'm so glad. I, I do, too, sometimes. Yeah. I feel hopeful. I don't know. I feel like there's the big, big weight that is gone that that was like with the big sock the big weight every day you're it's all about what horrible thing is trump doing like what where did he find some even more marginalized people that he could stomp on you know and so that's not going on and but now we're kind of like a little room to just like i feel like now it's time we can actually get to work to do some work that needs to be done yeah i definitely felt all that that was my immediate response, but as the days have drawn on, I still feel a lot of weightiness around the whole thing in this nation, and yeah. Yeah. I, li- I live in the midst of that's true. supporters. Yeah, yeah, that's true, where you live. is. But do you think people want to hear us? keep doing this no pro- do. i don't know maybe we'll hear <laughs> but okay well you know what so we were going to have people and talk and have people uh kind of share their experiences their feelings process but uh we can't we're kind of going to have a conversation with everybody meeting up here today but because we canceled it obviously because of the covid i don't think we even mentioned that but we just assume everybody knows because of the uh covid running wild record outbreaks cases hospitalizations and deaths so um uh, because we can't have that conversation, I uh, some people I've asked them to um, reflect a little bit and uh, record some their thoughts and send them in to me. So you will be hearing you will be hearing from other members of the community uh, later on. That's such a good idea. Yeah. So they may not want to hear us, but you know, <laughs> other people later. Yeah, we all need to. We all have things we need to say. Yeah, I think that is an important thing, right? People yeah. have things they need to say, and, you know, you just... Uh, and say them to people that... Aren't sick of, aren't sick of hearing yeah. you talk, you know, <laughs> yeah, like right. the people in your house. Yeah. yeah. No. All right. Okay, well, uh, we've got a couple more announcements, and then we will get on with the House of Mercy post-election show. All right. Are you going to announce your book group? Oh, yeah. We had a book group. It's going to come up. We're reading, you know, uh, we've long been uh, friends of uh, Slovaj Zizak. How do you say his name? That sounds pretty close. Um, And uh, he, in COVID, wrote this book called Pandemic, COVID-19 Shakes the World. And he's just, uh, you know, cranked this out. It's a short book, but it's about, you know, just I think what he says is the world transforming that this whole event is world transforming and he kind of uses this uh um this little pericope from john actually is how he starts the whole thing out where at the resurrection mary comes and sees jesus and jesus says do not touch me 
and just what that means now when we are in a time when wow. we can't. Yeah. Wow. I, I should get it and read it. You should get it and read it. And actually, you know, yeah. it's going to be like, I think we're going to do four weeks, five weeks on it. It's a short book, and we're going to start uh, in uh, on December, Tuesday, I believe, December 1st. I think it is. And uh, yeah. it's going to be a Zoom situation. Uh, so contact me, Russell at houseofmercy.org, or text me or call me, 651-283-9758. Oh, yeah. Letter so people can join that way. Oh, yeah. That's great. I'll just put a link on the newsletter so people can join that way. And if you uh, do not get the newsletter, you can go to houseofmercy.org. Or scroll down, it's on the lower left, and sign up for the newsletter. So I think it's going to be a great discussion, and it's just really interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. But hey, if you are interested in participating in the Advent podcast, which is going to be coming up, is it the first week after Thanksgiving that uh, Advent starts, Russell? Uh, yeah, let's see. It's the uh, first week after Thanksgiving, yes, uh, the third. They're going to be posted on... Uh, Thursdays. Uh, and you want people to reflect on the theme of waiting for the world to begin again, right? Right. Three wait. to seven minutes. A three to seven minutes. Card on your phone. Yep. And, and contact you, org, if people are interested. Absolutely. That would, be, that would be great. Three to seven minutes. If you have a song, you have a poem, you have a little mini essay, just comments, that would be great. All right. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, some of us hope to see each other's faces, six feet apart, dimly lit by fires, embodied, not digitized. But here we are, sound only, again. Help us as we find ways to continue to be community in these weird times. Help us know that you are present in the molecules that surround us in creation with us, one way or the other. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Share a sign of peace. Join with us in singing House of Mercy, hymn number 118, Revive Us Again. Spirit of light who shone us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Hallelujah, thine the glory. 
Please join me in the prayers of community. On each prayer or petition with God in your mercy, I invite you to respond and hear our prayer. God of mercy, though we may feel small, even helpless from time to time, in the face of the challenges of these days, this time in the life of the planet, help us do the next right thing, or at least get a little bit closer to whatever that might be. Help us do good for those who are not us. Help us grow in love, generosity, mercy. And when we fail, help us know we are forgiven. God in your mercy. God of life, we've been fortunate, many of us, to live in a place where elections haven't routinely erupted in violence, in a time and place where we've grown to expect peaceful transitions of power. We pray that this might continue. Not that we deserve it more than any other nation. Nevertheless, we pray for a way through this that isn't violent, a broadening of views, an end to propaganda, more compassion than rigidity. We pray for peace, not the kind that perpetuates injustice, not that the system stays in place, but still, we pray for peace. God, in your mercy. We pray for those faced with the task of governing. It must be hard, I can't imagine. We pray for our governors, that they will be open to questioning grow in their capacity for doing justice for all, give them strength and mercy. God, in your mercy. We pray for students, that they can find their way around the disappointments and frustrations of this year, if they've had them, that they might have some good days of learning, be inspired by ideas or people, music, art, history, that they'll grow in endurance, not necessarily with some super strength, but the capacity to accept struggling and flailing. We pray this for teachers as well, and all those who support students. God, in your mercy. We pray for healing. We pray that those who need medical attention will be able to get it, that the supply of needed medicine will not be impeded, these are scary times for those that need health care. Help us endure, give us strength, well-being, and comfort as much as possible. God, in your mercy. Now help us know that you are with us and hear our prayers as we pause for silence. You love us more than we can imagine. You create everlasting life. Thank you. And help us rest in the knowledge of your love. Amen. The gospel reading for tonight is from the book of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After this, there was a Jewish festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate in the North City Wall, is a pool with the Aramaic name Bethsaida. It had five covered porches and a crowd of people who were sick, blind, 
lame and paralyzed, lie there. A certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been there a long time, he asked, Do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I don't have anyone who can put me in the water when it is stirred. When I'm trying to get to it, someone else has gotten in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately the man was well, and he picked up his mat and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. The word of the Lord. In 2016, Sarah told me that Donald Trump was going to win the presidency, and I didn't believe her. I didn't think it was possible, and she was right. In 2020, after election night, I despaired that Donald Trump was going to win the presidency again. So before the election, I was really not trying to assume I knew what was going to happen. Four years ago, I was so sure that Hillary was going to win and was so devastated. So I was not allowing myself to, you know, just be sure either way. Leading up to the election, what I mostly did was try not to think about the election. I had absolutely no trust or faith that the election outcome would be a good one. And I mostly tried to keep myself from hoping. I guess I didn't even have to really keep myself from hoping. I really had no hope. Before the election, I was very hopeful that um, Trumpism would be pretty strongly repudiated. Um, And I couldn't really uh, imagine a world where Trump had another four years. It took so long to hear the final results that I was getting very tense very anxious because I thought even though Biden was ahead at the last minute, Trump would be able to pull something. When I heard about the election results, I was actually getting my hair cut and I was just about done and all of a sudden my the texts on my phone started blowing up and my niece, who lives in Brooklyn, was the first one to send me something, and she sent me a video of Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn of people cheering and banging pots and all that kind of stuff. And I must say that my immediate feeling was profound relief that the election was called for Biden. Then, for some reason, like 24 hours before the election, I just got this idea, this sense that Trump was not going to win. And so that felt good. That felt good good and calming, even though I didn't know for sure. Um, And then I still felt that way. Like on election day, as the returns started coming in, I knew that Biden, I don't know how, but I just knew Biden was, you know, officially going to win, have more votes, win the states with the Electoral College, all of it. But I wasn't sure what the response would be from Trump. 
the, there was a brief moment uh, the night of the election where I thought Trump might pull it out, and that was kind of horrifying. Um, when Biden finally did one, I had about 12 hours where I was very happy and uh, very hopeful. Um, but then kind of right now, I think um, I'm hopeful, but I don't think um, Biden's going to be able to be, you know, make everything perfect. Uh, so I would say cautiously optimistic, I'm feeling at the moment. Well, I'm disappointed that the Democrats did not secure more congressional seats or Senate seats. I am so very pleased that Joe Biden won the presidency. I sincerely believe that the Trump reign is the single greatest threat to democracy and the Constitution that we've faced definitely in my lifetime, if not longer. So while there are still many challenges ahead, I'm very, very pleased and very happy to have adults in charge in Washington, D.C. come January 20th. Well, when it was finally Biden, I was ecstatic. But now I'm getting a little anxious again about Trump's actions. And when will he finally say, yes, Biden is president? I'd say a week after the election, you know, we're kind of seeing the response from Trump and it's pathetic. And I just am not sure what kind of impact Trump's lack of uh, acceptance of the results is going to be, his ongoing uh, creation of skepticism for folks around the results, um, and then these staffing change. I don't know. It just feels like a very uncertain time. And um, yeah, that's how I feel, uncertain. It took me... Oh, I don't know, at least a week to really believe that something wasn't going to flip again. And while I'm quite happy that Biden and Harris will be stepping into that office, I still don't completely believe that it's actually going to happen. Four years ago, I felt humiliated and despondent at the election results. Now I have received emails from my relatives in London, Italy, and all are saying how happy they are, congratulating us, celebrating with us, and how they are looking forward to the world not just the United States, but the whole world returning to some form of healthy relationship. Living in South Minneapolis, we still have all the daily reminders up and down Lake Street of the uprising and of 
all the issues that the Trump presidency brought to the fore for most white people. And so before the election, I tried to stay focused on we just got to do what we do and keep doing it and not have any hope or belief that it would change. I thought, how could we have any different outcome and go on? I felt relieved that wisdom has prevailed. While I was initially quite relieved, I am not all the way back to cynical pessimism, though I would say maybe I'm kind of that there's a glass and it's either half full or half empty and it doesn't matter how you call it. We got a lot of shit to do. Uh, I felt hopeful and like the world wasn't going to end. And I felt like, uh, yeah, America was America again. Waiting for the waters to stir. Perhaps you recognize that line from the House of Mercy theme song, printed on the inside cover of our hymnal, Songs of Mercy, and sung at the start of the Sunday service every week for the last 24 and a half years. Sitting at the House of Mercy, waiting for the waters to stir. Folks came from all around, from near and far, just to sit here at the House of Mercy, waiting for the waters to stir. The lyrics of the House of Mercy theme song are taken directly from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Our scripture reading for today, the text Phil has just read. When Debbie and the Reverend Dr. Mark Stenberg and music minister Emeritus, Mr. C.P. Larson, and I started talking about starting a church, we thought this pericope, this piece of a healing narrative, was a pretty good image of the church. Not an idealized image, but an image of what the church was actually like as it existed in late 20th century American culture. We liked, well, I'll stop speaking for Debbie, Mark, and Chris and switch from the we to the I. First of all, I really like this text because it's like less the religious ritual and more like folklore or a legend. The story goes that at the pool called Bethesda, at the pool of Bethesda near the Sheep Gate, which is in Jerusalem's northeast city wall, an angel would descend from heaven and hover over this pool. And when the wind from the angel's wings stirs up the water, the first person in the pool is healed. Now, no one knew how often this would happen or when this would happen, so those who needed healing would gather there, waiting, waiting, waiting to see the stirring of the water so they might maybe be the first one in the pool and be healed. And I would think that if you find yourself waiting beside a pool near the city gate 
as your best chance at being healed was likely your last chance, or your only chance. You had no other options. So many people were lying around the pool for so long, staring intently at the water, looking for a stirring, looking for any sign of an angel descending, or maybe they'd been coming to the pool every day for so long, waiting for something to happen, waiting, every day waiting, that maybe a lot of them didn't even really pay that much attention to the pool anymore. It was probably the same people every day. They probably all knew each other. They talked not only about the angel and techniques for getting in the pool and what have you, but also about their families and the news of the day. But mostly they're waiting. Then one day Jesus shows up and sees this man, this particular man who could not walk, the text says. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The man laying there at the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda is Hebrew for house of mercy, hence our name, been waiting there every day for 38 years. 38 years he'd been there looking at the water, looking at the pool, and some guy comes up from behind him, taps him on the shoulder. The man turns around, and Jesus asks him, Do you want to be healed? And the man does not with joy and gratitude respond, Yes, yes, I want to be healed. No, the man says, Sir, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I'm trying to make my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. So you see, I can't get in the pool. I've tried. Someone always gets in there ahead of me. Jesus asks, do you want to be healed? The man answers, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool. I can't get in the pool. After 38 years, the man has forgotten why he's there. He thinks he's there to get in the pool. Jesus didn't ask him if he wanted to get in the pool. He asked him if he wants to be made well. The point is not to get in the pool. The original point was to be healed. Jesus does not engage the man on his ability to get in the pool. Jesus says, stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took his mat and began to walk. Back in the day, yeah, I thought this story was a good image for the church as it actually is, or was in the late 20th century American culture. It was the idea that pretty much everyone coming and sitting in churches all over America had forgotten why they were there. This was during the height of the megachurch, third ring, suburban sprawl, televangelist scandal. With all the emphasis on bigger and more and 20-piece praise band and smoke machines and laser shows, that maybe all these people in all these churches after all this time had forgotten why they came there. The American church had forgotten its purpose and needed Jesus to come up from behind them, come from outside them, and ask them, do you want to be made well? I was really into the cultural critique thing back then the critique of popular culture. 
Now I just think the church at any time, all time in history, probably has always had a hard time remembering or understanding the point, remembering why we're here in the first place. That the church constantly needs God to come up to us from the outside and to ask us, do you want to be made well? To interrupt what we're doing and ask us, do you want to be healed? This is God's table and all are welcome. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it. And gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number six, Jesus Walking on the Water. grace of Christ and the love of God and the peace of the Spirit be with you. Amen. <laughs>